0: They will not accept that we have a spiritual problem. And that is, God is less interested in satisfying our flesh than satisfying our soul. And we think that God should solve the problems of the world. But God is not as interested in solving the problems of the world as He is interested in renewing your soul. Renewing your mind. Renewing my mind, renewing my spirit. We need to accept that our problem is spiritual. Matthew 5, chapter 6, the great sermon on the mount. Jesus said it straight. He says, happy, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Amen. Imagine if all of us hunger and thirst for righteousness. We will be the strongest force in this universe. I'm telling you. Some of you, mm, when you don't want to go to work, you become the best actor you know. And I, and I say this all the time. Because it hits home. When you don't feel like going to work, you, you know how to fake uh, uh, your voice so that it sounds sick. Then after you email that you're not going to be there and av- after everything has been settled, after your co-workers emailed back and saying, I hope you feel better. After all of that have happened, what do you do? You eat a big breakfast. Because you have a big appetite. There's nothing really wrong with you. You're not sick. But we do it because there's a, there's a dissatisfaction <laughs> with where we are in life. And we try to solve it by doing the things um, that we're not supposed to do. But Jesus says if you hunger and thirst for righteousness you, you're going to find strength that's foreign to the things that you encounter on everyday life. We must accept that our problem is spiritual. Even the little things that we do is born out of that spiritual problem. There's a thing. Uh, That that will bring us to real satisfaction. And that is, we must accept no substitute for the real answer, for the true answer. Do not accept any substitute for the true answer that ails life, that causes dissatisfaction in life. Look at verse 27. Jesus says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give you. For on Him, God the Father has placed His zeal re- his of approval. There's no other substitute to a relationship with Jesus that is growing and maturing and is taking over your life. We, if we want true satisfaction in this life, we cannot accept any other answer. There's no other substitute. C.S. Lewis said that the greatest temptas- temptation, genuine Christian space, is substituting a strong relationship with Jesus with a lot of other additives. We mix things that are often become a substitute and, and, and that Jesus really wants us to focus, I- what Jesus wants to us to focus is, focus in is on our relationship with him it's jesus and nothing else we cannot substitute our relationship with jesus with good works and that's a big pitfall for a lot of people okay i know a lot of people that does a lot of good things okay even sometimes naming the name of jesus in doing these good things but that really is not a substitute for having a vitally growing relationship with Jesus. That's the root issue. You know, everything else that we do has to be framed on the growing relationship we'll ha- we, we have with the Lord. And I, and I have to emphasize this. It's communion Sunday. So what do we expect? We need to bring ourselves back into the table to bring that satisfaction. I was once invited to a French restaurant by my boss. There's like several of us, three or four of us. I don't know if you've been into a high-end restaurant. I had been in my life once. And this is a high-end restaurant. It's in Los Gatos. I don't know if it's still there. But there's only seven tables in that restaurant. You know, reservation takes a long time. But we finished the project, and my boss decided to take like four of us uh, to that expensive lunch, okay? And it's, 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 it's really a fancy restaurant. It's a house okay, and and my boss drives a a clunker, you know, he drives a real old car, and then we parked in the parking lot, and, you know, we're parking besides a Jaguar and a BMW and all of these things, and inside, you know, all the tables are filled except ours, and the tables are are occupied by by middle-aged women, whom we know are spouses of Silicon Valley executives, all right? So we sat down, and, and you know, I, I, I'm, I, I, I'm not a sophisticated person when it comes to eating at French restaurants. Plus, I don't want to eat something I can't say, right? So I just said, okay, well, I'm going to order the fish. And my boss says, I'm going to order the steak, and the other two people, I forgot what they ordered. But when the, when the food came, the waiter is also the chef, by the way. He's a French guy. So when the food finally came... Um, the natural instinct for someone like me is to say, can I Can I have some hot sauce? And my boss followed up by saying, I want some steak sauce. And you see that French chef, you see his face turn blood red. And he said something in French that I, I, I can't repeat because I don't understand it, but it's not pleasant. He means to say, there's nothing wrong with my food. You don't need to add anything to it. It's good the way it is. All right. Well, that's the kind of thing that Jesus is saying to us. You don't have to add anything to that relationship. My relationship with, with you is as good as it's going to get, and it's not going to get outdone by anything that you want to add to it. That's true with our relationship with Jesus. We don't want to add anything because you add anything will only lead to more dissatisfaction. Sometimes we say things like, "I'm a Christian, therefore I must help the poor." Okay, I mean, this becomes controversial. But sh- shouldn't be we, shouldn't we be helping the poor? Of course, Jesus thought on it, but that's not a priority. Okay, you might want you might you might be rejecting that right now in your soul. But it's true. I'm a Christian, therefore I must be involved with the social issues that's going on in my world. Now, don't get me wrong. As Christians, we make the right stance on everything, okay? I mean, I just want to let you know, but that's not our priority. That's not the focus. All right? I'm a Christian, therefore I need to be Pro-life, I need to oppose this war and I need to support that war. I need to support this policy and all of those things. We can go on and on and on. But listen, our involvement with the things that are going on around us, they're not substitute for the focus that we must have in making sure that our relationship with Jesus, all of the barriers are getting removed. Because we cannot cover good works and say, because I do these good works, that means I'm a Christian. No. The nature of what we do is framed on our relationship with God. The real focus of our faith is a strong relationship with God. If we have a strong relationship with God, we don't have to worry about taking a stand on any issue. It will always be the biblical stand. And that's the truth. If you don't base, if I don't base my stand on issues on the, the, the vitality of my relationship with Jesus, then it will come to nothing. It will be in vain. It will not lead to anything satisfying to the soul. So, listen, if you're gonna take a stand against, let's say, um, racism, you better make sure that you're making that stand because you love Jesus. You gotta make sure of it. You just can't make a sound, oh, you know, I, I'm standing against this. Hey, I get you, but you better frame that with your love for Jesus. If you're going to make a statement or make a stand against the social injustice in this world, it better be because you love Jesus. Now, if you're going to make a stand for life, it's be- it better be because of Jesus. It, it better be. Otherwise, those are just additives. I know a lot of pagan people, people who don't even believe in Jesus that are more passionate about these issues than Christians. But what's the problem? The problem is they frame it on their own self-righteousness. They frame it on what they hear other people are saying. They frame it out of compassion. Now, I'm not against compassion. You know, we have compassionate people. We're Christians for heaven's sake. But if you and I decide we're going to make a stand, but our relationship with Jesus is not straight. That's not going to lead to anything. It's going to lead to more dissatisfaction. There's a story in John chapter 12, verses 1 to 8. You don't have to turn there. We don't have a lot of time. But it's a story of Jesus coming back to Bethany a couple of days before the Passover, a couple of days before he was to be crucified. And Mary, one of Jesus' closest friends, began to open a a, a jar of oil and began anointing the head of Jesus with that very expensive oil. And Judas Iscariot came in and says, why are you wasting this this expensive oil uh, on the head of Jesus um, when you can sell this for one year's wage? And, and uh, it's just not a good thing to do. You could, just, you could sell this and help the poor. And Jesus says, stop. Don't bother her. And you know what Jesus says? Jesus said, the poor you will always have. They're not your priority. Was Jesus being mean? Was Jesus saying you don't have to help the poor? And, uh, not at all. The priority is our relationship with Jesus. Yeah, there's always going to be poor people, okay? There's, there are always going to be issues facing us. The priority of the follower of Jesus is to come to Jesus, to make sure that that relationship is vitally growing. That's what it means to receive satisfaction. So let me ask you this morning, where is your heart when it comes to your relationship with jesus saint augustine once says the temptation of sin is elevating the lesser good with the greater good the greater good is our relationship with jesus the lesser good is to add all of these things with our relationship with jesus we can't take a position on anything without framing them on the growth and vitality of our relationship with Christ." When was the last time we knelt down before the Lord and actually cry out to God? I'm not talking about emotionalism, loved ones. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about just crying for crying's sake. But when was the last time you wept before the Lord because of, number one, how gracious He has been to you. How kind the Lord has been to us. I mean, that, that that's the measurement of the heart. When was the last time we actually Pour our heart heart to the Lord because we didn't deserve a blessing or we didn't deserve the forgiveness that we receive for the things that we've done. Shows you a merciful, loving God touching our hearts. The measure of the strength of the heart is not measured by the great things that we accomplish. The measure of a strong heart is measured by the volume of water that comes through the eyes. That's how we know. That's how we know that the heart is being transformed. There are things that we weep about that we never imagined weeping about before. (laughs) And with me, I don't know about you, with me, it's the grace that I receive from God, the forgiveness that I receive from God that I know. I know I didn't deserve. (laughs) I know you didn't deserve some of the things that we have done. You know we're broken. Before we're broken, God is mending us right now. All of us. Uh, You you know, Jesus is not finished mending you yet. Okay? He's still working in my life. Yeah, yeah, I just turned 38. That's just a lie. Uh, Flat out. But you know, He's still working, right? He's still working on mending something. because, Because this brokenness that we have, you know, it can't be repaired by one good act. It can't be repaired by one thing. It has to be an ongoing refinement in our relationship with God. You know, uh, if if you allow the devil to take over, he's going to bring up all the things in the past. And the reason for dissatisfaction with God is because we feel in our hearts and minds that we cannot live up to the expectations of God. When we don't understand this, we already are living up to that expectation because Jesus died for us. And what we do is we keep on replaying the things in the past that happened and guess what happens? It depresses us. You know, uh, my wife and I, when we watch the movies together, you know, we like the Avengers. You know what we do? And this is wrong. Don't do this. We go fast forward the movie to the scenes that we like. <laughs> That's what we do. Ah, oh, i seen, I don't like that part. Nah, blah, 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 That's what we do when we watch movies. You know, especially I- I- I with her case, you know, all the, all the, the, the tearjerker parts, you know. She, she 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 wants to cry, you know, when Iron Man finally dies in the movie. Yeah. Now I want I want some of the some of the some funny stuff, you know. I want to watch that. But see, the, the the thing is, that's what we do with our lives. You know, we don't measure the totality of what God has done in our lives. He has done a lot of great things, but you know what? We keep on fast fast forwarding or rewinding to things that you know that are not pleasant. And guess what? We get depressed. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says, you know, I covered your multitude of sin with my love. That will bring satisfaction. That will bring great joy. And uh, we're talking about laying it out before God. Look at verse 28. Uh, then they ask him, what, was, what must we do to do the works that God requires? That's a, that's a big question from those people. What did Jesus say? Did Jesus answer, now, now that, that, that uh, you, you belong to me, you must now help the poor. You must now fight for social justice. You must now be pro this. You must not be anti that. Is that what Jesus says when they ask that question, what must we do to do the works of God? No. Verse 29, and I want you to memorize this verse. This was the answer that Jesus gave. Jesus answered, the work of God is this. To believe in the one he sent. You want an answer (laughs) to what brings satisfaction? To what really matters? To what the work that God wants us to do really entails? It's to believe in Jesus. There's no substitute for that. Our priority is to believe in Jesus. He must be revealing himself to us on an ongoing basis. Okay, there's a third thing. We must accept the sovereignty of God in all aspects of life. Accept the sovereignty of God in all aspects of life. If you want to find real satisfaction, believe and trust in God unconditionally. That's an important thing. Don't put conditions, don't put requirements in your trust in God. God, I will do this if you do this. Stop asking what's in it for me. You'll never be satisfied. Just trust the sovereignty of God. Many of us don't verbally say it, but we live in Northern California. We live in the Silicon Valley. We live in one of the most affluent areas in life. But the overwhelming majority of people in our part of the world really centers on what will I get out of this whole thing? What's in it for me? When I follow Jesus, they will ask, what difference would Jesus make in my life? And now we are pressured to answer that question. You know, there's a lot of pressure on me when people ask me, you know, if I come and follow Jesus, what's in it for me? That's not a, that's not a wrong that's not a right question to ask. It puts a lot of pressure on people to answer that. You're a Christian. How would you answer somebody like that? When I, when I follow Jesus, wh- what's going to happen? Well, what am I gaining out of the whole thing? What difference is he making in my life? That's a terrible question to ask. I follow Jesus because Jesus says, I am the way. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's it. You know, If Jesus said he's the way, faith says, I struggle with it, but because you say it, you said it, I'll believe it. That settled it. But no, people say, you know, if I I follow Jesus, would, would, would this happen or would that happen? I actually don't know what will happen. The only thing I know is that there are people who received Jesus and trusted Jesus and five minutes later died. And if you die accepting Jesus or following jesus you'll go to heaven there's no other deal better than that and yet people still say you know if i follow jesus stop god is sovereign our job is to put our faith in him so they ask him what sign will then will you give that we may see it and believe you what will you do our ancestor ate the manna ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. These people are asking Jesus these questions. What will you do for us? What will you do for me? What can Living Rock Church do for me? How is Living Rock Church going to serve my need? Let me ask you a question. Are you a buyer or a beggar? You cannot enter heaven unless you are a beggar. A buyer wants his money's worth. A beggar accepts what he gets. And I can tell you right now, beggars, not buyers, will inherit the kingdom of God. The people who asked Jesus, what will you do for us so that we may believe? Jesus answered, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. We must acknowledge the absolute rule of God in our life. We cannot rule our lives at the same time Jesus is ruling our lives. We cannot have our standards and incorporate God's standards. It has to be God's standards and away with our own standards because it simply brings dissatisfaction. We never acknowledge that God's reign is personal. When we talk about God, we always say, yeah, he's the ruler and creator of the universe. And he, got, he does all of these outstanding things, sustaining the universe by the palm of our hands. Let me give you the real deal here this morning. He just, doesn't, just didn't create the universe and just rule it, rules it. He just doesn't sustain it. He also rules and reigns in every person who follows him. That's more important. I hear people say, I'm going to give God a chance. No, you do not give God a chance. You don't stand a chance without God. There's no chance at all. It's not about letting Him rule your life. He rules whether you believe it or not. The Bible says, in the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. That includes people who don't believe. So, So I figured... If I don't believe that Jesus is Lord, I'm going to believe anyway. Eventually, why not believe now? There's a final point, and we'll have our communion very quickly, and that is to accept the, that faith is not just a set of rational beliefs, but a very sacred relationship with Almighty God. That's what faith is. It's not just a set of rational beliefs, but a sacred relationship with God. Our relationship with Christ is not intended to simply help us navigate our way through life here on earth. It is to prepare us for eternity. Prepare us for eternity with Him and with the body of Christ. The more we know Him, the more we see eternity. If you're not looking forward to be with Jesus one day, to be together with Jesus, then there will never be any kind of satisfaction that you will experience in this life Jesus says verse 38 finally for I have come down from heaven not to do the will not to do my own will but to do the will of him who sent me and this is the will of him who sent me that I shall lose none of all those he has given me but raise them up in the last day for my father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in in him shall not shall have eternal life And I will raise them up at the last day.